0: The 360 on Energy and Carbon, hosted by 360 Energy. On today's episode, we are joined by Gary Holden, Managing Director at Lodestone Energy. Over the last 25 years, he has been President or CEO in a variety of energy companies in New Zealand and Canada. He is a founder and Managing Director of Lodestone Energy, a solar based generation company in New Zealand. He has been a leader of energy organizations since the mid-1990s. He has led the development of wind, solar, natural gas, and solar projects in New Zealand, Canada, and Australia. He has been a prominent advocate throughout his career on topics such as market development, deregulation, renewable energy policy, environmental policy, retail energy marketing, and transmission policy. Now, let's get into the episode with Gary. Back, Dave and John.
1: Great to be back. It is spectacular to be back.
0: And today we're joined by our guest, Gary Holden, Managing Director of Lodestone Energy. Welcome, Gary.
2: Thank you. Pleased to be here.
1: For our audience, Gary is a Canadian. But he is doing work abroad, and this is why it will be a treat to listen to Gary. Knowledge and experience, certainly you'll hear his background, but we're so fortunate to have him because he's in New Zealand and doing work there. And so we're pleased to have him to talk about what he's learning from New Zealand versus his work when he was in Calgary. So, uh, Gary, thank you for this, and I'll kick this off for you and that is what would you define as the energy transition like why is it required do you think well look
2: you know i've always i've always felt that the word transition was maybe a little bit too short-term thinking i, I sort of think of the electricity market as is something that that has a very long time span and it evolves over a very long periods of time and And we know this because we started out with hydro, then we migrated to kind of base load coal and nuclear, and then we went to gas, and then we went to combined cycle gas, and then wind and solar came along. And each one of those technologies always had some kind of benefit, whether it was a cost benefit or environmental benefit. And and it really is the policy makers job all through that process to incent the right technologies to come in. And so when I think about the transition today, I, I don't think of it that to be that different than when we, all we had was hydro and we needed a whole lot of energy. And so we came up with base load coal and then we, you know, base load coal was a problem because it ran all the time and it didn't low fall very well. And we had to invent all these ways to integrate coal and policymakers scrambled for 10 years to integrate that. And then and then when natural gas came along, we saw all kinds of advantages to, you know, shifting from base load technologies to combined cycle, and we wrote all kinds of rules for that. And then and that and then climate change became a problem. And it and the thing that, that resonates with me there is, you know, we used to make electricity with oil until we realized that oil was threw off a of whole lot of sulfur. And so we put a price on sulfur dioxide. And as soon as we put a price on Sulfur dioxide, we got rid of oil as a generating technology. And so now we have a price on carbon and we're starting to say, okay, now, now there's a price on carbon. We got to get rid of carbon. What do we do about it? And then, then the challenge now is how do we integrate solar and wind to dovetail back to the very beginning when we just had hydro and put those three together to create the solution. So I just see it as. An evolutionary thing, we, we just need to think a lot harder now because the world is so much more complicated. The roles are so much more complicated. Integrating non-carbon technologies, probably if you really think hard about it, is no more difficult to challenge than that first attempt to integrate a base load complement. And so I, I think of it as it's just a job that we do as a policy group. To, to kind of get the outcome we want.
3: Thank you for that. I'm, I'm going to add one bit in here. On our day of recording, we're suddenly seeing the word transition coming out of Dubai because we're, we're not going to have a fossil phase out or phase down or whatever, but we're going to be transitional. And for our listeners, we're going to be discussing that in more depth later on. I think what I'd like to know, I, I find it interesting because normally on our podcast, I'm giving the, the overseas view because I'm not in North America. But, you know, I'm really being trumped here because we've got somebody who's speaking to us the following day. So they're a day ahead of us in, in what's happening. And they're also in a country that's doing things differently. So, Gary, the question I would like to ask, what does the energy transition look like in New Zealand?
2: Well, it's, 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 it's really quite a, quite you know, lots of people think of New Zealand's process here as kind of a poster child of how kind of a bigger vision over a longer period of time works. And, you know, I had the good fortune in the mid-1990s to, when I was living in, in New Zealand to, to sit on the wholesale market development committee to design the rules of the market in anticipation of two big things. One was, one was deregulation and just getting customers to be involved and creating choice and, and getting all of the, all the mechanisms so that an independent entrant that had a generation idea, it could have been, we didn't think so much of solar in the 1990s, but we certainly Mm -hmm. thought of a whole lot of other distributed generation technologies that were likely to come. And in finding a way for them to enter without having to overcome the, you know, the barriers of a fully regulated market, we had to think about that. And we had to think also of, you know, it was the beginning of the climate conversation in the 1990s. And we had to think about, well, how, how would we price carbon if we had to? And, And so the half hour market has a mechanism to integrate the, you know, the imposition of, of the carbon cost on, on fossil fuel. And so back in those days, we, we didn't have a full picture of how the world would look in 2020, but we felt that if it had some fundamental foundation, that if the world were to change, then the rules would be able to adapt to that. And I can't tell you how exciting it is for me to now kind of be on the be on the doorstep of those thoughts back in the mid 1990s. And now I'm, you know, I'm building solar farms and I'm selling electricity to customers on bilateral contracts and using half hour pricing and using nodal pricing and using, using the ability to undercut carbon laden coal plants pricing and, and do it all in a competitive environment to implement the transition and. To, to the pleasure and just imagine the excitement I've had where you kind of are painting the picture and then are able to, after a long period of time, it's been thirty years now. After thirty years to actually use all of the tools that were put in place back then. It's so to me that transition is it's a long art. It's it's it has to be very thoughtful. It has to be, you know, you should we, one one of the things we did back in those days is leaned heavily to to not having the end answer, but leave an open door for a number of outcomes, and and that turned out to be very prophetic, and and it's working extremely well because we 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 can see a hundred percent renewable energy around the corner. We're thinking we could probably be there by twenty thirty. We see the end of coal because of all of this. We see. Diesel peaking plants and gas peaking plants disappearing and being replaced with with uh, utility scale battery projects. Like the the whole thing is actually completely unfolding uh, the way it should, without government subsidy, without a regulator forcing it to happen, without somebody sitting in a room and mapping it all out. It's free market. It's customers making choices. It's innovators making business plans around good ideas and it's quite a it's quite an amazing story
3: thank you
1: there i was listening at your talking and i'm thinking uh you should be in alberta again and talking to your premier about what you just discussed because she says it's impossible to do as you know that's not true yeah. and it's also people in the marketplace will also say oh those renewables they're just they're they're just a problem. Oh, I, I think you just gave us a little snippet it's completely doable and it actually makes a lot of economic sense. So, thank you for sharing that. I'm going to I'm just going to ask you, like based on what you've just said, what are the lessons from this energy transition that's in New Zealand? What what could other countries, provinces, states take from what New Zealand has done and what you've experienced? I think You know, it's,
2: it's very, it's very, it's very specific to the market you're talking about. You know, I, I kind of look at, you know, New Zealand had a certain challenge. You know, our challenge is we've got two, two big long islands separated by an ocean. We needed to have an undersea cable to connect the two. All of the hydros in the South Island and all the people are on the North Island. And, you know, we could go on and on about, you know, if I wanted to create all the barriers, I could make up the barriers. I could tell you how hard it would be. And, and there was, a, there was a time in this country when the, the belief was, you know, you need to get the 10 best engineers in a room and they'll figure it out. And it took a lot of work to get people to see that getting a thousand people in a market is a better solution than getting 10 people in a room. And, and so I would start with the idea that, you know, you pick Alberta. Alberta a great one because it's kind of landlocked. It's it's fossil fuel oriented. It's got hydro to the left. It's got hydro to the right. It's got a country that, that's uh, insatiable for power itself. And, and there's, you know, one of the problems Alberta's had is we built so much baseload fossil fuel that we don't quite know how to get ourselves out of that problem. And, and what we do, many people don't realize this, but because coal and, 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 and steam cycle gas needs to run all night long. What Alberta essentially does is it burns car and makes carbon to get rid of the power by sending it to British Columbia at night and then British Columbia sends it to California. And so Alberta's problem was it had to get rid of a whole lot of power at night. And so that that's a particularly unique problem, but it's not unsolvable because what you do is you turn the gas into combined cycle gas that turns down at night. And then during the day, you fill the market with solar and wind, and 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 the the, the simple policy direction to reorient that configuration. It's a big decision because you're really talking about interties between countries and ties between provinces, and getting cooperation with utilities that don't normally cooperate with one another. It takes a big vision to solve it. But it's a great example of how no particular situation is unsolvable. It really is a matter of identifying what the weak points are and then writing regulations and rules around it. And then overlaying that with a pretty generic, pretty, pretty generic model. The New Zealand model works would work well in any country where, where an independent person with an idea can make power and find a customer. That can, that can happen anywhere. It's just a matter of getting the right mechanism for that, but getting the, the, having the political will to solve the big problem at the same time is the channel. I think, I think in, in Alberta's case, that that's where their roadblock is. They, they made a fairly, a fairly big dis- mistake. I would say by converting coal that was base load to coal to gas that is base load. They should have converted to gas that had some flexibility, and if the gas had flexibility, you can dump solar all you want until the gas disappears and and so it's you know and 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 you think about having a big hydro battery right next door in british columbia there's got to be a way to use that big hydro battery to buffer out the in you know intermittency of wind and and solar and so it's really just having a holistic view and, and having the political will to do it
3: okay we're, we're talking about the transition and you've you've mentioned regulators markets and everything else and utilities so i think my, my question is who are the key players where do utilities fit in and are the utilities leaders or followers
2: well, that's a really good question I, one thing i learned here when i was representing the independent market In running the rules in New Zealand in the 1990s, I was, I was kind of representing the disruptive side of the market. The people across the table, you know, the prime minister at the time said "If you seven people and the seven people were independent, which I was representing. The transmission distribution generation company, customer groups were the, the rounded out the other seven. Prime minister said "If you seven can be unanimous. I'll make it binding on the country to change the market. So, so that's a great example of political will at the very top. And then when the seven groups got together, they, they were completely at odds because everyone has a vested interest and, and even, even an independent had a vested interest and, and the vested interest was to see a market. And so, so it, it took a lot of talking. I think we met for 1600 hours by recollection and, wow, and got, got the rules set, put, put in place. But what was super evident in all of that is the utilities need to, need to be put in a position where they inform the discussion, but they don't control the discussion utility, you know, regulators. If you think about regulation from the very first principles, regulators by definition were put there to keep the utilities in check. And so a transitionary conversation. The regulator is no longer just keeping them in check, but it's trying to write rules that the utilities may not like. And, and so I think fundamental, fundamental part of an energy transition is to, to ensure that the utilities are calling the shots because you'll get, out, you'll get unfortunate outcomes like the one in Alberta where the coal ended up being converted to base load gas. That's a, that's a utility idea. It's not a regulator's idea. It's not a free market idea. And so if you don't have that basic principle that regulators may not be loved by the utilities, but, but they have a job to do that, that's independent of keeping the utilities happy.
1: Can I do a follow-up on that, Gary? It's a little off script, but... Mm. Based on what you've said, and to be fair with the audience, I formerly many years ago worked for utilities. So, but but do you think there is a, because of this requirement where we're going to be, re, you know, looking at doubling, maybe tripling our electrical load or infrastructure? Do you think utilities can change or will change? Because they'll have to change quickly. Like, well, will will there'll have to be something disruptive to make them move quicker. I, because I fear they won't move quick and yeah move.
2: yeah well look if you let them decide you it'll be slow because you know they have ballot sheets to protect and and uh you know no no group of managers want to be known as the ones that cause the you know disruption to the earnings or whatever the impact might be right but right. look change can happen very fast you think about just putting a carbon cost on on fossil fuel cause almost immediate reaction you you start pricing carbon then all of a sudden you know wind farms are popping up solar farms are popping up combined cycle gas is you know instead of choosing an inefficient planet you want a more efficient planet every little decision gets influenced by that and it was a yep, it was something alberta did quite early it was quite an innovative thing they they kind of lost the plot along the way but the idea was right and and so I, I, do think, I do think you can do things that are very transparent, very high level, that don't look too draconian. In New Zealand, we have a price of, of carbon. We're pricing carbon every half an hour and it goes into the electricity price and, and it's to having its effect, its trigger, You know, grid scale battery projects still curl because diesel costs are so high. And so I think things can happen fast, but you just, you just have to kind of have a big plan and stick to it. And as I said earlier, you know, the regulator's job is not to be controlled by the utilities, but to actually keep them in check.
0: Thanks for a great episode, Gary. To end off this episode, what is the biggest takeaway for our listeners?
2: Well, I think hopefully in the short time, we were able to kind of bring out the fact that a market like like New Zealand is something to look at as a bit of a model. I, I think it's particularly amazing on how quickly we've got things and the fact that we can pay to a hundred percent renewable energy future is, is should be inspiring for other markets. We we're an island, we don't have any interconnection with other markets. We have to solve the problem all by ourselves and, and so we know what those challenges are and, and we undertook it and it's taken thirty years. It's a long vision and hope but it's hopefully inspiring for others. And the second thing I guess is just that that you know, the evolution of technology into electricity is It doesn't have to be seen as if someone's losing, someone's winning. It it should be seen as it's an evolutionary path. We just have to integrate the rules around the technology as it happens. Ultimately, the world has to electrify everything. To drive an electricity, we have to heat water on electricity. We have to heat homes on electricity. And, and and finding the ways to do that over, over a long period of time is challenging. But I think, you know, you can do it if you if you put your mind to it. And that's the message I'd like your listeners to have.
0: Thanks for that, Gary. John, what's your biggest takeaway?
3: I think Gary touched on something that we've talked about before. And I think it's really relevant. There's nothing new about an energy transition. We've been doing energy transitions, but they, they have been somewhat in the background. And I don't think politicians and the public have necessarily seen them. And the fact that we can successfully do them, I think the point about political will being necessary, I think that's there, but I don't think we rely on the politicians to make it happen.
0: Thanks for that, John. Dave, what's your biggest takeaway?
3: Gary suggested that it was really policy, that
1: the policy had to be set right and that you had to have which was at the time he was conveying that the prime minister was like, this is like, get out of fellows fo- or folks, let's get at it. So he, he was, you know, gave the, the go ahead or approval to do so. And then you bring the right people in with the right mindset that actually see a win-win associated, not pitting against each other. And unfortunately, from what I see throughout Canada, that there's always finger pointing like, oh, those renewable folks or those nuclear people or, you know, everyone's hitting each other when really we should be in the same room trying to figure this out collectively uh, and moving forward. And it seemed to me what Gary experienced and has been involved in now, he was saying 30 years, we, we're going to have to move much quicker here to actually make things happen. So I think there's significant lessons that can be learned and and. Gary, I I thank you for your time. And I know you speak often about this. I I hope people continue to listen to what you have to say because there's a lot to be learned from your experience. So thank you for that.
2: Yeah. Yeah, thank you.
0: All right. Well, thanks, Dave, John, and Gary for a great episode. Talk soon. It's
3: been a pleasure. Thank you.
0: That's all for today's episode of the 360 on Energy and Carbon podcast. Thanks for listening. Make sure to check us out on our website at 360energy.net and follow us on LinkedIn at 360 Energy Inc. Tune in to our podcast on Apple Music, Spotify, Anchor, or other listening platforms by searching the 360 on energy and carbon. You can watch the video recording and subscribe on YouTube at 360 Energy Inc. Email us your feedback at podcast at 360energy.net or comment on our LinkedIn posts.